0: Peace, grace, and love, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of State the Obvious. I'm your obvious host, Avi Grace. Today on State the Obvious, we're talking about organ donation, and to help me with the discussion, I have Beth Hinesley from Carolina Donor Services. She is an expert in deceased donations, as well as Phyllis Randall, my grandmother. She is gonna give her personal testimony on how she gave her kidney to a family member and how that impacted about 20 years of his life. That's all coming up next, but first, let's say a word of prayer. We pause, Lord, to say thank you for this day, to say how grateful we are for listening, Ears for seeing eyes, for every gift that you've given us. We thank you that in a time when it seems the world may be falling apart, we know that it's coming together. In a time where it seems hard to hold on to faith and optimism, we know that there is faith that can be unshaken, cannot be shaken. And we thank you for that. We ask you to take these words, take this moment of prayer and bless it uplifted and use it for your kingdom and for your glory. May every lifter, may may every listener be uplifted, enlightened, and loved one simply by hearing this podcast. We thank you so much and we pray this in the name of the Redeemer, Creator, and His Holy Spirit. Amen, Ashan. So it is. Thank you for listening and keep on listening cuz next when I come back I'm going to have Beth Hinesley. Peace, grace and love and welcome. Obvious. Today I am speaking with Beth Hinesley. Representative of Carolina Donor Services, based in Winston-Salem. Beth, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Avi. Thank you so much for having me on today.
0: You're welcome. It is my pleasure. Can you tell us? Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the work you do with Carolina Donor Services?
1: Yes. Um, At Carolina Donor Services, we are a federally designated organ procurement organization that serves about 7.2 million people in 77 counties of North Carolina. And we have one other county in Virginia, which is Danville, Virginia. Every state in the United States has at least one organ procurement organization. We're pretty fortunate here that we actually in North Carolina have two organ procurement organizations. And so I work with the one that covers from about Marion, North Carolina, all the way to the coast. And our job is to work with donor families who loved one has made the decision to become an organ, eye, and tissue donor. And at that point, we work with the donor family, the donor, and we also work with the transplant center to get those organs placed from the donor to the recipients. And we work with four transplant hospitals Baptist in Winston-Salem, Duke and UNC hospitals, and also Greenville. In Greenville, we work with the transplant center there um, to make sure that we get all the organs that people have registered to donate. We make sure that they get to a a recipient somewhere within those transplant centers. so that is kind of our job at Carolina Donor Services. Um, our mission is to maximize the passing of the heroic gift of life from one human being to another through organ and tissue donation. That is
0: beautiful. That, I, that is beautiful. And as you were speaking, I realized about the organs but I realize now that I have a very close family member who about 20 or 25 years ago received a cornea transplant. And she was, cause she was, she had really bad eyesight and then she got the gift of sight through someone's corneas. And they have more it for many years.
1: Yeah, and Avi, a lot of times people say to me, well, Beth, you know, I've heard about organ transplants. You know, they may actually know someone. It could be a family member who is in need or who may have received, or it could be someone that they know who is either waiting for an organ like a heart, lung, kidney, pancreas, or the small intestine. But oftentimes they'll say to me, well Beth, I didn't know that I could also be a tissue donor. And as you just mentioned, the corneas are a tissue that can be donated along with other tissues like bone grafts, skin grafts, heart valves, tendons, ligaments and veins. These are all tissues that can be donated to give life healing benefits to those patients who are in need. And as you mentioned, a corneal transplant, I know a gentleman who got a corneal transplant as well. And he said to me, you know, Beth, this didn't save my life. But before the transplant, I was completely blind. And now I can actually see. And so my life and the world that I live in is so much brighter. And through the gift of someone giving a corneal transplant, how amazing it is. Exactly. Okay, that,
0: was, that is beautiful. Well, Beth, can you tell us a little bit of how you became a part of the
1: donation field? Yes, I would love to because oftentimes when people find out that um, I am, my background is in nursing, the next question they ask is, well, how did you get into organ and tissue donation and working for the organ procurement organization? Because To some people, they look at our job as working with donor families at probably the darkest moment, the most tragic event that something has happened to a family, the loss of a loved one. And they often question, why did you go from just regular nursing into a field like that? And I can tell you about 24, 25 years ago, working as a nurse in the ICU. I had an opportunity and I say now an opportunity because years later, I'm still working for the Organ Procurement Organization, but I had a patient, a young 18 year old who had been involved in a car accident and was airlifted to our hospital. Now, unfortunately for four days, we did everything medically possible to save this young lady's life. But on the fourth day, doctors did some tests and it was determined that the severity of her head injuries, she had died of a brain death. There was nothing else that we could medically do. Uh, She had died of, of that head injury of brain death, but because she was in the ICU and because she was on a ventilator, and at that point, the only thing that that machine was doing for this young lady, was just pushing air through her body, perfusing the organs with oxygen. Now the heart is a muscle and it can be independently from the brain. So the organs were still getting a blood supply. And so we knew at that time she had an opportunity to potentially be an organ and tissue donor and help save and heal many lives. But as a nurse, I had seen what her family for four days, holding out hope, holding out the hoping of the reality that this young lady would survive the injuries she had sustained and at some point would leave the hospital and all would be well. But at that point, as doctors told them, there was nothing else that they could do. I had to make a call to the organ procurement organization to notify them of the death. Um, That was something that was set forth in 1998, that hospitals call in all deaths, or all impending deaths to their local organ procurement organization. And our hospital had been doing that for a few years. But I knew as a nurse, I can remember making the phone call and saying to the coordinator, I need to report this death, but I'm pretty sure this family's not gonna wanna donate. Now, donation had not been brought up by the staff at the hospital. The family had not brought up donation, but I had just seen the tears, the grief, the emotions that this mom and dad, brother, grandparents, and extended family and friends that were at the hospital, that grief and that loss. And I just assumed that the family had been through too much. But thankfully, a coordinator came to the hospital and I was able to go into the room. And when the question was asked about organ donation, I remember the mom turning to the husband and saying, do you remember what Brooke said? Now unbeknownst to me at 16 years old, this young lady, when she got her driver's license, when she was asked about organ donation, she said yes and proudly put the heart on her driver's license. But she did something that night that I wish everybody would do. And at the dinner table, when they were talking about the responsibilities of being a driver, they were talking about the road test and everything that she had experienced at the DMV. She said, by the way, they asked me today if I wanted to be an organ donor. I'm, I said, yes, I just want to let you guys know if anything were to ever happen to me, I want to help someone. And I saw that through this young lady making a courageous decision at 16 years old letting her family know that decision and that family carrying out that decision that night five lives were saved through organ donation and many more lives were healed through tissue donation and so when i got into nursing i knew it was to help people and i saw through what organ and tissue donation not only does it bring kind of that silver lining in the darkest cloud ever Because they know their loved one is being a hero to complete strangers, but also to see that through death, through tragedy, how lives can be saved and healed. And I thought then and there, that's exactly what I want to spend my life and my career doing, is to register more people to be organ and tissue donors and to have more lives saved and healed.
0: Almost in tears but just hearing what you were saying thank you so much for that that um, that powerful story and the fact that a 16 year old <laughs> excuse me getting choked up the fact that, that a 16 year old could say that and could mean it and had that type of conviction. she didn't just she didn't just touch those who got her organs and tissues but she touched so many more because she touched you and you've touched so many people over the last 24 years.
1: Yes, yes.
0: I think that is so beautiful and I think that's a good place to pivot. Um, So as you know, I'm a part of the LGBT community and I'm a part of the community in Charlotte, but I know people throughout the Carolinas and abroad And I know a lot of people who would love to donate, but especially the people who, the men who have sex with men and the people who are HIV positive, I know that they have been barred or turned away whether they have HIV or not. There's a stigma, especially around blood donation and stuff. So my question to you and you, we were speaking in the prep interview that there is a possibility and there is an option for HIV-positive people to still donate. Can you talk about
1: that? Yes, I would love to because one of my, my jobs is working in the community to try to dispel any myths or misconceptions that people have surrounding organ, eye, and tissue donation. And one of the big things that uh, we do talk about is what are the actual rule outs what would cause someone not to be able to be an organ donor and it used to be hiv or active cancer were the two automatic absolute rule outs of organ donation but in november 2013 uh, president obama signed into law the hope act and the hope act allows hiv positive patients who are in need of an organ transplant to be listed. And with the HOPE Act and with HIV, the medication now for the disease process has come so far, and people are living so many years with the disease without any complications or problems. But unfortunately, the medication that they may be on um, sometimes is very toxic to the kidneys and the liver. And oftentimes what we were seeing is that patients with HIV who were on medication, they were in kidney or liver failure. So what the HOPE Act has enabled us to be able to do is for those patients who are HIV positive, who are in kidney or liver failure to be listed for a transplant. And we can actually have an organ donor who is HIV positive. They can donate, their kidneys or liver to a patient who is waiting who is HIV positive. So we now can have an HIV positive organ donor donate their kidneys and liver to an HIV positive recipient. Now the organs of someone who has HIV would not go to someone who does not have the disease of HIV. Those organs would only go to someone who is already HIV positive. And since the HOPE Act was enacted, we have seen a tremendous increase of donors who are HIV positive, able to donate their kidneys and liver to recipients who are HIV positive. And here in North Carolina, Duke Transplant Center has an HIV positive list, who has patients on that list who have HIV, who are in need of either a kidney or a liver. And so for them, they could receive an organ from an HIV-positive donor, which has been able to help so many patients, as I mentioned. I think in the first year, there were over 50 transplants that were done as soon as the HOPE Act went into effect. And so for these patients who are HIV-positive, who feel like they would love to be able to help someone in their death, but because of the disease process, Sometimes they go ahead and rule themselves out for everything. And so what we want people to understand is, and it's true with anything, don't worry about what's going on today or what's happened in the past as far as your health history. Go ahead and register to be a donor. And at the time of someone's death, the doctors will determine the suitability for those organs and tissue to be recovered and transplanted to the recipients. So we try to educate out in the community, the HOPE Act, and we, we talk about the HOPE Act um, to let people know it doesn't matter what's going on, but if you were to have HIV, uh, to definitely not feel like I can't donate anything, to go ahead and register and at the time of someone's death, let those doctors determine the suitability of your organs and tissue. But the HOPE Act has been able to have HIV positive donors be able to donate their kidneys and liver to recipients who have HIV. And so for them, for the, the, for the community who has HIV, it means so much to them to know that they can leave behind a gift, a lasting gift to help someone else who is also has the same disease that they have. So it's been a tremendous, um, you know, tremendous action when we signed in the HOPE Act to have that put in place and also have an HIV positive list. And like I said, I go to the communities um, the, the pride parades and we try to do as much work here in North Carolina. I'm in the Western part. We have three offices. We have one in Winston-Salem, Durham, and Greenville. And our mission as a community relations coordinator is to work with organizations um, to make sure that we have the education out there and that people understand the importance of registering to be an organ or tissue donor. So I have been involved with uh, Pride events, and I would love, love to be a part of of any events or the community to just give information out about the tremendous need for more registered donors, um, you know, Beth, yes,
0: they, I was just going to let you just go on and go on because you, you doing this by yourself and I love it. I love it. I love the passion that I hear in your voice and the passion for correct information because you are literally changing people's minds because I know many people who even through COVID there's been stories about how people have tried to donate and donate and they're not taking it on for this reason or that reason so the fact that you're giving people who have HIV um,
1: options to be
0: that is a powerful thing that is a powerful thing because I know sometimes all we need is to know that we can uh-huh. and that we won't be nurse. I think that's a beautiful beautiful perfect point. I love the fact that that don't rule yourself out but go ahead and put yourself on the donor list and the doctors will decide at your time of passing what the verdict is or what could be taken I think that's a beautiful thing. Don't sell yourself short. Don't rule yourself out. Go ahead and get on the list. Like we know about the the DMV is a good place to put the heart on your license. I have one on mine and I was like, and I don't have HIV, but the fact that I can still put mine on there and that there's still hope that someone can get something from me at the time of death,
1: that is a beautiful, yes you know what one very last quick question time is
0: going but I think that this is an important question you may not know this but but I am a black person (laughs) I'm also a person of faith and both of those cultures have um, in some way or another conditioned me to believe that me and others to to believe that um, we shouldn't give or that we should be buried with everything that we have or that and here's a big one there won't we can't have an open casket funeral if we are an organ donor correct
1: can you misspell those med- yes and we do a lot of work in the minority communities uh, because there has been a fear with the medical uh the medical field and other things. And and those are wonderful questions uh, that people do come up to me and ask. And one of the things that and I think it's across the board with everyone, the top two questions that are asked of me are if I put a heart on my license or if I register online at DonateLifeNC.org, will the doctors and nurses still try to save me? And I can tell you that that is the utmost number one important thing to that for those Uh, doctors and nurses and paramedics to to save a life. Uh, And so donation is not even an option until after death has been pronounced. And the other question about the funeral or my religion. Oftentimes when people see all the organs and all the tissue that we've talked about today, if that can be donated, is there anything left? Can I still have an open casket? Can I still have a regular burial service? And the answer to that is yes. It's a single incision line that is done to recover the organs and tissue. The, uh, when tissue is recovered, a prosthetic-like device is put back in place for the lower legs and sometimes the upper arm. So the only thing that you would see if someone were to be an organ and tissue donor, and this is after the donation process, would be a single incision line with stitches, just like with any surgery. The body's not gonna be disformed. It's not gonna be misshapen shaping no one's going to know at your funeral that you were organ or tissue donor unless your family just proudly tells everyone at your service the the heroic gifts that were given so the fear of can i still have a regular funeral the answer to that is yes we make sure that we work with all the funeral homes and the family to make sure there's not going to be a delay in the funeral process and even if you wanted to be cremated that is definitely still an option, even with all the organs and tissues that are donated. So I tell people all the time, don't worry about anything. If you're able to have an open casket before donation, you can after donation. And the other big thing that sometimes I'm asked in the minority community, will there be a charge to my family if I'm a donor? And to the answer to that is no, there is no charge at all to your family related to the organ and tissue donation process. Uh, so your family will never be charged for anything at all related to the donation process.
0: Wow, though, you went deeper than I would. I was not thinking about the, the donation charge, but that's a good point. That's a really good question that I'm sure people have asked. Will this be attached to the cost of my funeral or my medical bills? Uh-huh. And the fact that the answer is no, I know that's going to sway some people's lives, and the fact that you can still have a open casket if you could have had one before donation, you can still
1: have one after yes. donation. I think that is a big because yeah. we want to be cute in our yeah. caskets. <laughs> I know that's- and I, it's just like with your grandma. No one's going to know that she donated her kidney. Uh huh. She'll tell everybody, but yeah, there'll be nothing that looks different at her funeral. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Beth, where can people find more about you and the work you do with Carolina Donor Services?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You can go to our website, it's CarolinaDonorservices.org and you can get all the information. I always tell people this is a personal decision. Donation is a decision that you make that is right for you. And so get all the information that you can, educate yourself on it, and then make a decision that's right for you. And when you make that decision, in North Carolina, it's as easy as putting the heart on your driver's license. You can register online at donatelifenc.org and also just sharing your decision with your family. Cause sometimes people say to me, Beth, I'm not sure about putting the heart on my license. I'm not sure about putting information about myself into a registry. If I don't wanna do those steps, what can I do to make sure I'm registered or make sure my decision is carried out? And I tell people all the time, just let your family know this is something I wanna do, or this is something I don't wanna do.
0: so much for speaking with us the link to their website www.carolinadonorservices.org will be in the description of this episode Beth Hinesley thank you so much for talking to us and I hope to
1: talk to you I hope so too
0: and everyone else stay tuned because we have one final segment where I speak to my grandmother about her own personal donation of a kidney we'll be right there Welcome back to State the Obvious. I'm your obvious host, Avi Grace. Today on State the Obvious, I have the distinct honor of having my grandmother, Elder Phyllis Randall, on the show with us. And she's here to talk to us about what it was like when she gave her family member a kidney 19 years ago this week. Grandma, can you tell us about what that experience was like for you?
2: Yes. My nephew needed a kidney. He was on dialysis. He called me and said, Aunt Lady, would you donate me one of your kidneys? At that time I was 52 years old but I was in good health but I had brothers that were younger than I was that I thought would be a better candidate but none of them wanted to do it so I told him I said well if we match I will give you one of my kidneys. We went through all the testing sure enough We were a match. I had to have a lot of testing done, and I really didn't receive much encouragement from my family or from the doctors. Everyone seemed to think that this was something that I should not do.
0: Including me, but go ahead.
2: And the doctors that I went to, they told me about the procedure. Even though I'm a nurse, I knew a lot about it. And they said, you can change your mind even up until the day of the operation. And I thought, how cruel could that be? He would be waiting on a kidney that day. And then all of a sudden, I changed my mind. I had some doubts. And there were times I felt like I didn't want to do it. But I was visiting him when he had come off of dialysis. And just seeing him trying to function after his dialysis with the family, it's like he was completely washed out. It was He was so tired, but still he was trying to be happy and joyful that he was with his family. And I said, this does not If I can make his life any better, I'm willing to do that. So we, Got every, everything was gotten together, and the we just
0: came back, and y'all did in fact match.
2: Yeah, I said that earlier.
0: Oh, sorry, Ron, go ahead. That we
2: were a per- perfect match, and I went through the operation. Um, the next day, they told me I could go home, and I said, "Well, I need one more day because I lived about six hours away." And they gave me that extra day. I was doing okay. only thing I felt, I didn't really have severe pain. I just felt real weak, like I had lost a lot of blood. But he seemed like he wasn't doing very well with my kidney. It didn't kick in right away. In fact, he even had to go back on dialysis a while. Then they talked about shutting his body down, putting him in a state of immunity. And when they did that, the kidney kicked in right away. And he was blessed to have my kidney for 19 years. And it was such a joy to see him do things that he couldn't do in the past. For instance, when he'd go visit his parents, which lived about nine hours away, He would have to arrange to have dialysis done at a facility there. Um, He couldn't go on cruises or anything like that. It was like he was bound to a dialysis machine. So it just gave me joy and so much pleasure to see him functioning as a whole human being. And I thank God for it. I thank God that I was able to do it. I thank God that it went as well with him as it did. They told me that my kidney would probably last him about 20 years. And now he has received another kidney. And I thank God that God has blessed him with that. And you know, God is so good. And I'm just thankful that I could help somebody. And that's our goal in life. No matter what we can do, we need to help people. Not just put them down or anything like that. But if you can, try to help someone. And may God bless you.
0: Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of State the Obvious. I'm your obvious host, Avi Grace. State the Obvious is a podcast built on prayer, proverbs, and poetry. And today, the proverbs came from Miss Beth Hinesley of Carolina Donor Services and from my own grandmother, Elder Phyllis Pauline Randall, who gave her account of when she donated a kidney to a family member 19 years ago this week. And I dedicate this entire episode to her and in her honor for doing that. Thank you, Grandma, for all you do. And to all of you, I hope that you be well. I hope that you be kind. And I hope that you always have peace,
2: grace, and love.